what can I learn from daily vlogging? Because I think there is so much value in bringing in your life and the people around you and the relatability of just like who you are and bringing that into the videos. But also like, what do I wanna do? What am I passionate about? I'm passionate about technology and the creative process. So that's my title, that's my thumbnail, that's the content that I'm gonna create. And then how can I maybe bring in aspects of vlogging into it? So I think that's how my content maybe like stands out a little bit. And so here we had this dilemma, this, this fact, this fact. I've been almost a decade, decade researching decade. this subject. Every aspect of your metabolic health improves. From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. You may have tried Hint Water before, but this is my podcast. Each week, we talk to some of the most creative entrepreneurs from world touring pop stars like Jay Sean to the people behind favorite Instagram accounts, including So Yummy, New York City, and even YouTubers like Sarah Dietschy. So the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. YouTuber Sarah Dietschy is here with me today to talk about how she grew her YouTube following to over 30 million views. We dive into how she found her true passion through an unconventional route, why location matters, her thoughts on often being the only girl in the boys' club, and so much more. The girl is the real deal. Now sit back and enjoy the show. I'm so excited today to have Sarah DJ here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. My favorite YouTuber and favorite (laughs) influencer. And I've been on her podcast. And so Mm -hmm. now I had to bring her on to, or I should say, I didn't have to bring her on. I get (laughs) to bring Sarah Gigi on. Well, and it was such a good conversation that we had. So I'm like, yes, totally. Keep it going. Yeah. Well, and. You know, just to remind everybody in case you forgot somehow our interview, I mean, we really dove into kind of what, why I started Hint, and and now I get to hear it all from Sarah and hear sort of how she got started. But first, okay, so just a little bit of background on Sarah. So in case you don't know Sarah yet, and you definitely will soon, as of today, she has hundreds of thousands of subscribers, tens of thousands of followers on social media, and over 30 million views just on YouTube. Huge. She's worked with Hint before on multiple campaigns. She works with a lot of other major brands, which I want to talk about mm-hmm. as well. So anyway, welcome, Sarah. Thank so you for excited to have you on Unstoppable with Kara Golden. So for the few people who haven't seen one of your videos, give us a quick story story of who you are and also define the word vlog. Ooh, okay. So we'll start with vlog. So traditionally it just means video blog, but now it has transformed into pretty much anything that you post on YouTube. So I think Vlogging has really taken over YouTube so much. And even if I post like a 15 minute documentary film that I slaved over, people will comment and be like, oh, nice vlog. That's <laughs> so awesome. I think it's kind of become synonymous with the platform YouTube. And so the type of content that I create is really based in tech and creativity. And so I started out making unboxings and reviews of the cameras I was getting when I started this journey of video and so it really started there and then I got more involved with the creative process so I love 
designers, filmmakers, photographers, how they do what they do. I'm obsessed with it. So I'm always kind of sharing other people's process, whether it's through a docu-series or now my podcast. And I just love highlighting that because I think YouTube is a great place for, yes, entertainment and inspiration, but I think it's also a very powerful tool for education. And, you know, I don't think everyone has to go to film school. I don't think everyone has to go the traditional route. And if I could be a part in helping people to, you know, live their creative life and to get from point A to point B in the fastest, easiest way possible, then I want to be a part of that. So that's what I try to do on my channel. I think it's so interesting. We just interviewed uh, another uh, great creative. He was talking about how when he got started, it was really about finding people who... You know, he didn't actually define it as this, but as we talked, I mean, he started to really identify it even more that it was really searching out for those people that you were inspired by Mm -hmm. and that you thought were doing things maybe different than you. And I always believe, like, that's how you get better, Mm -hmm. ultimately. And when you understand how somebody else thinks about things or what their process is or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's super, super cool to hear that that's how the Sarah Dietschy got started. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't about yeah. like, I'm so hot and cool <laughs> and I've got it all together and now yeah. I'm going to tell the world about what I've got. It's right. really about Everything has the been, exactly, and sharing the process along the way. I feel like I never arrive. So there's little goals along the way that I share. But I like what you said about how you can learn so much from maybe people who are like outside what you're doing. So a lot of what I did in the beginning is I was taking my inspirations from music. You know, I've played electric guitar for over 10 years. I was in a band. I was obsessed with music. But then I was like, oh, video, this is cool. And so when it came to video editing, I was really inspired by music and what people were doing maybe in like music videos or how to match up, you know, like cool montages with the music. And then I was very inspired by like business professionals and entrepreneurs who were sharing their process as well. So in the beginning, I pulled inspiration from fields that definitely weren't like filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I think that really helped me along my journey. I think it's really Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now? Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options. Keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie smart? Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week too, like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices, snacks and beverages now too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part? Each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off 
plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's code GOLDEN50 at factormeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Really interesting, too, what you're talking about when you looked outside of the industry that you were in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always talk about, so Hint started out as a beverage company, and I never looked at people. I looked at the problem that I was solving Mm -hmm. around, you know, clearly in the beverage industry, but I didn't like aspire to be those other companies Mm -hmm. right like and I always I looked at brands like Warby Parker and you know because if you try to be the same you're not going to be successful no exactly and so I always talk about you know in sort of my journey in in becoming you know the best I can possibly Mm -hmm. be I've felt like I've gained more knowledge and 
you know, impressions about sort of how to grow my businesses mm -hmm. from companies outside of my industry. So mm -hmm. I think that that's super, super cool. So you're not, so you're living in New York now. You're not from New York. You're no. from Texas. Tex Tell Dallas, us, Texas. Dallas, Yeehaw. Texas. And of course, you know, your lovely mom, Jeannie, mm -hmm. who is my Twitter buddy. <laughs> and so you were in college and where were you in, in Texas? Yes. So I went to college at UTA. It's a college outside of, in Arlington. So if you know where Dallas Cowboys Stadium yeah. is, that was in the backyard of my college. And so I went for electrical engineering because I loved math and science in high school. I was good at that. I hated writing. So basically English and history, not my thing. So I really dove into math and science. When it came to college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I loved guitar and I was really interested in, ooh, building pedals and amps and stuff. And I actually had a job at a electronic shop, like helping fix amps and like pianos wow. and stuff. And so I was like, electrical engineering, let's do this. You know, maybe I can like make something to do with the guitar. And so I dove into electrical engineering. I got a scholarship. And that was the other reason I kind of fell into it. Because at the time, if you had, you know, I graduated in the top 10%. I had a good ACT score. And I was a woman trying to get into an engineering degree. And so I got a scholarship. And I was like, okay, well, I can go to school for free. This is cool. Let's just go for it. Very soon did I realize how much I hated it. You know, I was like, I don't care about these transistors and conductors. I just care about the overall like product. So that's when I was like, OK, my love for music isn't going to keep me in an electrical engineering degree. And then I transferred to a computer science degree two years later. And I hated that, too. And so I was in college for three and a half years and going in between electrical engineering, computer science. And during that time, I was really searching for what I wanted to do. And I discovered that I didn't have the same passion to play music anymore. I wasn't gonna be Taylor Swift's guitar player. I wasn't gonna go on tour and be this famous guitar player. And so I was really getting into video at that time. And I was kind of posting random travel films to YouTube and, uh, you know, okay, I got a new camera, do an unboxing. And I, I started seeing a little bit of traction there. And so I just started doing uh, more jobs. I kind of linked up with a production company in Nashville when I moved to Nashville for my last semester of college. And I was doing very boring, like talking head corporate videos for them to like try to pay rent in Nashville. And when push came to shove and I ran out of scholarship money and I was going to a private college in Nashville that cost $15,000 a semester, I kind of had to face reality. And I was on the phone with my mom, speaking of Jeannie, um, pretty much every day for three months, just being like, I can't do this. I hate what I'm doing. I would literally be in tears on the phone like so many times, just like, I hate this so much. And I truly believe if you are doing everything you can, you know, from maybe 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. to pursue something that you love when you're doing something that you hate, I think that's going to really help you figure out what you love. Because when you're mm -hmm. doing something that you hate, you are going to try anything and everything to find something that you actually enjoy doing. So even though I was so miserable pursuing that and being in college, it really helped expedite, like, find my passion in life and that's video and that's just creativity and so 
thanks for that, I guess, electrical engineering, but it was so miserable. And so because of that, I dropped out after three and a half years. People are always like, oh, you only had one semester left, but I actually had a year and a half left because I switched majors. But even then, still, people are like, ah, oh, you should just finish. You well, if I just finished, I would be $45,000 in debt and I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity that I got called the Adobe Creative Residency, which allowed me to pursue my passion projects for an entire year. So That's awesome. How did you off. hear about that? So I... One big thing that I was doing a lot in college was um, just going, like traveling and going to conferences. So I would find, and that's the other thing. So I didn't really sleep a lot in college because, you know, I was doing homework, but I was also working a ton. So I worked at the electronic shop. I, you know, was still doing babysitting and stuff. And I was doing weddings, uh, filming weddings. And so every penny of money that I got would go into, you know, either video gear or travel. And so I would be going to a lot of these conferences because they, they would have discounts for college students. And so the Adobe Max conference is where I learned about it. And basically it's a very expensive conference, but the college student ticket is only $300. Mm. And I knew that they give out really like sick swag every year. So the year before they gave out a Microsoft studio. And I was like, I'll just sell what I get at the conference and I'll pay off my ticket and my plane ticket. So I stayed with a friend in LA, went to that conference. They gave out like this thousand dollar camera. And I sold it on eBay and like oh that God. trip was free, you know, easy, <laughs> but there, the first session that I went to was about book publishing, which sounds super random, but I was like, you know, one day I kind of want to make a coffee table book. So I'm not here to learn about video. I know about video. So I went to a lot of classes about things outside of my thing. And so the first five minutes, this girl, Becky, who was giving the class basically was like, Hey, I'm Becky. I have this thing called the Adobe creative residency. She kind of told the people a little about, about it, it. Yeah. and then moved on moved on to this is how you publish a book so the moment she talked about that residency I was like this is my ticket out of college like my brain just started going going she talked a little bit about herself she's from Austin I'm like okay this is how I'm going to start a conversation with her I'm from Texas too and so I did learn a lot about book publishing but during that time I was like I'm going to get this I'm, I need to like connect with her how do I do this and so after the session there was kind of a line of people i waited uh, to talk to her and I was basically like hey I'm Sarah I'm from Texas too we kind of bonded on the Texas thing I gave her my card and I had an ask to I was like hey I do this docuseries called creative spaces tv where I go into creator studios or homes and I show how they do where they do it and you know share the process I would love to have you on my show yes I was just gonna say that would be yeah, an awesome one yeah and so we did ultimately but that was just the domino effect for this residency so I gave her my card and later that night she connected me with the Adobe community manager who actually had a video job that she needed in Nashville Tennessee I linked up with her I did a recap video for Adobe Creative Jam in Nashville Tennessee that just happened to be going on that next week that night at the Creative Jam I hung out with like four Adobe employees until like 1 a.m. in the morning we just bonded had a, had the best yeah. time ever and so I started this relationship with Adobe and they knew my name they knew who I was and I was just full on from that point. I love how you just showed up. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what it yeah. really like. And the job was the recap video that I was making for them was so much work for $400. And yeah. I was like, 
y'all are Adobe. Seriously, you're going to pay me for it. But it's understanding the value of opportunities. I really bonded with all the Adobe employees there. They knew who I was. And then when the opportunity came around of like, oh, Adobe Creative Residency, they knew who I was. Yeah. But I think it's like, you know, people always say, too, that I've heard this conversation around like, do I not do something because it's not enough money or whatever? But I think it really like what you just highlighted is, especially if you're just learning, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's a partnership or relationship Mm -hmm. that you really believe you're going to learn something. I mean, you and I were talking briefly before that I'm out speaking a ton right now. And I always, you know, talk about how, you know, when I go to these conferences today, you know, a lot of them are paying me to come and talk about entrepreneurism and, and mm-hmm. sort of how I got started. But then, you know, a bunch of them are just where I feel like I want to get to meet this community too. And so I think that you have to start to make these decisions for mm-hmm. yourself around, you know, yeah. it, and it's, what do you if want? it's just what about you... the money, then it's probably like if yeah. every one of your decisions are just about the money, mm-hmm. then I think that that's probably not like that's not going to be fun for very long, right? And I think people would be surprised how relationally driven the creative community is. And when it comes to working with companies and seeking out opportunities, talent is important, yes. And standing out and being different is important, yes. But if you do not have your foot in the door in some way, it's going to be much harder to get those things. And so even, you know, and I'm not like the daughter of some you know, like crazy creative people. My mom and dad are like from Dallas, Texas. We live in a suburb, like had very normal jobs. They're not creative at all in the traditional sense of like, you know, art. But from a very young age, I just started being there and showing up and doing and not asking for something in return because I knew that would come later. So early on, you made a vlog and talking about vlogs, mm-hmm. and I think you know which one I'm talking mm-hmm. about, and the godfather of vlogging on YouTube, mm-hmm. calling out your work as amazing, endorsing your channel. How did that change your life? Yeah. And tell the audience a little bit if they haven't seen totally. sort of that in particular. Yeah, so godfather of vlogging, Casey Neistat. So I had watched his stuff pre-vlog. So he was on YouTube, I think starting in like 2011. Mm-hmm. And I actually found his channel through a Gizmodo studio tour. And so I'm always really into creative spaces and that's why I started my series Creative Space TV. And so when Gizmodo posted this video of just like this insane New York City studio with everything, like every filmmaking tool you would ever need just like carefully placed, I was like, who is this dude? And so uh, it was Casey Neistat, and I discovered his channel around 2012, and I just kind of became, like, so amazed by his style of things. And so I had been following his channel since he was at, like, 100,000 subscribers, and then he started vlogging. I was like, oh, okay, vlogging, it's this thing. I, I knew what it was, but it really hadn't been defined at that moment. I was very used to making just, like, crazy travel montage films at the time or like camera unboxings and so he kind of came in and really solidified this genre that is vlogging like okay now he's putting music and time lapses and telling a story every single day putting out a video every single day which is crazy and it very very much so became like his thing and his style became so 
obvious. Like, I think that's what he did very well is he had a formula and he did it every single day. It was predictable. Exactly. And the format was predictable, but what he was doing was like crazy, whether it was like riding helicopters or just, it it was insane. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And so... I loved it and because it, his style was so predictable there were a lot of things in it that you could pick out and kind of like tease about yeah and so I made a parody video of his vlogs and at the time he had like 1.5 million subscribers now he has 9 million subscribers and I posted that video I was still living at Nashville at the time and it went like crazy viral he shouted out my video and his the next day for like the first half of the video and during that time it wasn't just that video that was on my channel but I had a a really big backlog of content so I starting in 2015 I was like I'm taking this seriously I'm posting consistently and what was consistently for you back then like once a week okay so I was still in college I was still hating my life so I had to figure out something that fit my schedule. So it was travel films, it was docu-series, I had Creative Space TV going, a lot of cool interviews of people. And so he saw that and he basically was like, Sarah's everything that is like good about YouTube and blah, blah. So being there, That's hearing amazing. that, yeah, yeah, from like your hero. I was totally. like, this is insane. So basically I went from 3,500 subscribers to like 90,000 to eventually 100,000 subscribers in the span of a couple months because of that video. So... That's so crazy. And then Casey, I mean, is he a mentor to you? Like, I know you guys are, have become friends and. Yeah. So it was crazy because during the time that I posted that video and it started going viral, I actually got the Adobe creative residency right before that. So on my final interview in San Francisco, it was such a crazy, like, it was so crazy. So I was going through the interview process for the residency, which Adobe pays for your passion projects for a year. I was going through that process and, like, being so heads down. At that time, I was posting, like, two videos a week. I'm like, the residency, I have to get this. I have to prove my worth. And when I was, like, heading to San Francisco for the final interviews, that's when the video went viral. So everything was like happening at the same exact time. It was insane. And so at the same time that I got this big audience from Casey, I then had the means to just go full force for a year because I got the residency. And that year was a really cool opportunity. I was traveling. I was like speaking at conferences, helping at conferences. So Casey and I were crossing paths a lot. So, you know, we were at the same conferences. We were hanging out a little bit. And that's kind of how you have to hang out with Casey. You have to meet him where he is, you know. So I was able throughout that year to kind of just, you know, have him in a couple videos here and there. And then the residency allowed me to move to New York. And I'm actually, I have an office in the same building that he's in at 368, which is really cool. So it's always, he's like the busiest dude in the world. So I don't think I could say he's my mentor, but he's definitely someone who, did so much for me you know and so the little passing moments are are a lot of fun and it's cool that I'm just kind of in his his same vicinity but yeah he's a busy dude yeah you know he's a very busy dude (laughs) that's so that's that's awesome so but your channel like just from you know really being introduced by somebody Mm -hmm. who had 
you know, been doing something great on YouTube. Did you feel like that? I mean, obviously Pressure. that helped you grew it, grew, yeah. grow your audience. But like, so what happened after that? I mean, you so, said you got to a hundred thousand. Yeah. Then- so after that was a lot of just figuring out who I was on YouTube. Um, and, and how did you do that? Like, how did you figure oh, out what type failing. of content? Yeah. <laughs> failing so hard. So in the beginning, it was very much so, you know, like 3,000 subscribers, Sarah, was very much so, I, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what you call you know? 3,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. subscribers, Sarah. Exactly. I love it. And so during that time, it was very much so like unboxing new tech, talking about it, like a little bit of educational stuff, travel videos, and then also like doing these documentary series that I wanted to. So at no point was I vlogging. Like there were, there was no vlogging involved. And then when the vlogging king himself shouts you out and the only advice that he gives you is quantity, 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 put more out, put more out. It's like, okay, okay, I need to put out so much stuff. I need to put out content like every single day. So I started vlogging like five, five times a week and it killed me. And it was so not for me, but I think I had to try it just to see that it did push me in ways that things have never pushed me before, but it did show me what I could do and what I wanted to do. And so I daily vlogged posting like five videos a week, every single week. I did that for about, I did it on and off for almost a year. And I had this moment on YouTube in the past year where I kind of just admitted to my audience and admitted to myself that like, I don't like daily vlogging. I don't like, this is not me. This isn't how I started. And just because everyone else is doing it, it doesn't mean that I have to do it. And so I kind of scaled back and I kind of went back to my roots, you know, I was like, what do I, what can I learn from daily vlogging? Because I think there is so much value in bringing in your life and the people around you and the relatability of just like who you are and bringing that into the videos. Um, But also like, what do I wanna do? What am I passionate about? I'm passionate about technology and the creative process and how can I start there? Okay, so that's my title, that's my thumbnail, that's the content that I'm gonna create. And then how can I maybe bring in aspects of vlogging into it? So I think that's how my content maybe like stands out a little bit in the tech community is if I'm reviewing a new phone or a new camera, I'm not just sitting in an office talking about it, but I'm out and about and I'm doing it. And I'm doing it in more of a vlog style than just like a sit down style. So I am bringing a lot of what I learned from that year into my videos now, but I'm very much so in a, a happier place where I'm posting, you know, two to three videos a week. I'm sleeping. It's good, you yeah, know, it's good, you're but happy it, with it exactly. It took me a while to get there. Yeah. And, so. and and you're also slicing and dicing parts of like your videos too, which I think mm-hmm. is just a whole other aspect of, you know, what I think maybe some people haven't really thought about that that they think that it needs to be like perfect, right? And right. and like the entire thing, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, between teasers and other aspects mm-hmm. of the content, I think that there's a lot that you can play around with as well yeah. to sort of look like you have a lot more content. So you're living in New York now. What advice would you give to, you know, people who are vlogging or just creators in general mm-hmm. about where they need to be? I think, so the internet is this amazing thing that I think has really leveled the playing field of you can do anything anywhere. I think location can make you unique. But 
if where you are in the world isn't the thing that's making you unique, I think it does matter being in the spots where people are creating and where they're doing stuff. So, you know, you have the classic LA and New York, but there's also so many cool spots across the States and worldwide. You know, you have Nashville that is just blowing up right now. But I lived in Nashville for nine months and I left as soon as I could because I realized I didn't want to direct music videos. And so you really, I think it really does matter where you are. And here in New York, it's so different in LA because LA is very YouTube driven and mm-hmm. that's great. And so that's why there LA was on my mind for a while. I was like, do I need to be in LA? But I'm not just a YouTuber. You know, you just had Germ on here, who's an amazing photographer. He's a good example, who is someone who I've just like grown to love his work and he's an amazing human. And there's so many people here in New York City that are so much more than just like a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. And it's an amazing creative community and there's startups here there's well-established business here and so it's like this beautiful blend of just like everything that I want to be in the center of which I have just been obsessed with being here and people you can learn from too right exactly and you know there's been a lot of instances where I've just been in rooms with people with CEOs and you know, photographers, filmmakers that if I can just sit in and like a 20 minute conversation, like my mind is blown. Like, and the fact that, you know, I live a few blocks away from VaynerMedia. And so whenever I get that email of like, oh, okay, Gary can do a podcast, but it can only be at this time. And so I have to like hurry it up and pop over. Like, that that matters and that's yeah. huge and there's so many I mean that's the reason if you want to specifically talk about New York that's the reason also why I chose to live in Manhattan is so many opportunities have happened in like the split second of just being where I am yeah. that have accounted to so many things and so I think location does matter but Plus, New it's, York is super fun. It's so fun. It's so fun, right? <laughs> I, like, over here, like, oh, this is a yeah, It's so fun. I mean, like, I, you know, talking about Casey Neistat, he's the one who really made electric skateboards a thing in the city. And so the fact that I can get anywhere I need to be on a booster board, on an electric skateboard, and, like, 10 minutes, that's so fun. The yeah. fact that Manhattan is so small, New York is so small, and you can get anywhere you need to be on the subway or an electric skateboard, like, that's so cool. So, you know. I was just thinking about something as you were talking. So, so many industries today, we're talking about women. And, you know, that that definitely it's it's like an obvious, there's an obvious tilt in terms of like, you know, men having more influence in these mm-hmm. industries. I feel like, like this is an industry where, you know, there's women like you, there's, you know, you can probably name some others, but do you feel like being a woman in this industry that there's like an obvious tilt towards like Mm -hmm. men get more of the opportunities or do you feel so it's kind of difficult for me to talk about this fairly because I am a woman who traditionally has been into more dude stuff Mm -hmm. you know more like dude areas when I was five years old I told my mom I was like mommy these girls suck I don't want to play softball I want to play boys baseball like I was playing boys baseball from the age of like five to eight and so it was never and that's what's so cool about you know Jeannie is along the way whether it was sports whether it was like music or just like technology 
nothing was ever like, oh, you can't play with the boys. Mm -hmm. That's a boys thing. You know, I was always on the football, like playing tackle football with the boys. And so it's never been, it's weird because I think like the whole boys club is definitely a thing, but it's very hard for me to comment about it from an outside perspective when traditionally I've been a lot of the times the only girl in that boys club. So I think the bigger issue is like, not categorizing things is just like oh like do things or girl things you know and that's what luckily hopefully I can have an influence on being this chick who's into cameras and gear and like all these things it's like you guys can be in you know ladies let's take over and be in it too and like well you're doing it yeah thank you and so that's kind of hopefully how I can play a part is because I have been into those things. So it's very easy for me to kind of like wiggle my way in and, you know, be like, Hey, all these tech dudes, let's collaborate. Let's do it. And I found myself in a space where so many people are so supportive. I think specifically the tech YouTube community, it's a big sausage fest. It is, Mm -hmm. but I have seen like, and many times there's no reason for them to collaborate with like a 300,000 subscriber YouTuber. But I've seen them like see something in me, like you're talented and you're also like, you're a chick. It would probably also be cool to get some more ladies going in this sphere of YouTube. So it's been cool to see the community just being like very receptive of me when traditionally it is a more dude driven thing. So yeah, I think the thing is just like hopefully encouraging and just showing women that like hey we can do this stuff and like just representing that so yeah well I think you know women are super creative Mm -hmm. right and there's no reason why they can't I've just been very curious about it because I feel like it's an industry that is you know only started really in you know the Mm -hmm. last what I mean really in the last few years, mm-hmm. but I would even say six years. Right. I mean, is that, you know, at yeah. right? And so I think that it's not, you know, it's, it's really, it's a little bit the wild, wild west mm-hmm. as to who can be successful and, you exactly. know, what kind of educational backgrounds do you need to have? Exactly. And, yeah. you know, where, where um, do you come from? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and like, that's what's so cool about the internet is it can be everywhere. Totally. And so when it comes to representation and things like that, the audience is there it's you're not just catering to maybe like a specific tv network in the united states where it's like oh we're you know aiming for this demographic but like your demographic is the world which Mm -hmm. is so cool because that that means that oh my gosh i can you know maybe i'm a person that i don't look like anyone else in like south in the suburbs of south carolina but i can go on the internet and find this community there and so that's what i think is so cool about the internet is is just like the democratization of attention and it just allows you the opportunities that weren't there before so um yeah well that's awesome and you're totally doing it so very very cool well thank you sarah so excited that you came to join us thank you for having me i think that this is a really telling podcast that especially i hope to really inspire people to you know not only learn from you but also to you know really show people that you can just go do it yeah and you can be from like why not texas exactly. or arizona yeah. or you know and just go out there yeah. and just yeah just totally. get shit done i love so, it i love it thanks so much yes, thanks for All having right. me on
You can learn more about Sarah Dietschy and see the awesome content she's creating on her YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sarah Dietschy. That's S-A-R-A-D-I-E-T-S-C-H-Y. I love giving away things that are dear to my heart, like Hint Water. So for the next three months, I'll be choosing five lucky listeners each episode to win a year's supply. To enter, all you have to do is go to karagolden.com backslash iTunes and leave a review. That's it. And if I see you tweeting it out and tagging me at Kara Golden, you will increase your chances of being picked. And as a special thank you to all of our Unstoppable subscribers, for a limited time only, you can enjoy a special hint offer at drinkhint.com slash unstoppable. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. Unstoppable.